Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. tonight calls Grand Rapids, Michigan home and is a driving force in the local comedy scene there. When there aren't enough shows for the area comedians, he produces one. And he had a couple other comedians get together and started a thing called Demented Peach Production to offer paying gigs to comedians, which is sometimes hard to get, actually pay the comedians, and uh, great shows for patrons. So if you need a show to be put on, Demented Peach does it. And I can't wait to talk to him about it. It's Carl Sobel. Carl, how hey. are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's great to talk to you. It's great to talk to somebody up north uh, since I'm down south now. And the last time we talked, I was still up north. So uh, not as far north as you, but yeah. uh, at least Indiana. I'm happy to talk to you about uh, the Grand Rapids scene and... Also, your comedy career. It's a career, I guess. Yeah. You can call it that. <laughs> if, you got yeah, paid, no, if you got paid once, it's a career. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, am a, I have a lot of careers then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one thing I want to ask, I was watching some of your videos, and you talk about not being able to do rock climbing anymore. Do you, are you still able to do rock climbing? Uh, Did you injure yeah. yourself? I mean, I've injured myself a lot while I was rock climbing. Uh -huh. uh, I uh, like I blew my knee out, twisted my knee, tore everything apart first day of a climbing trip, and I climbed for like nine more days. Oh, so I wow. mean, injuries won't stop me. I just uh, stand-up comedy kind of took precedence, took more of my attention, and stopped doing it as much. Got lost a little bit of the muscle, and yeah, haven't done it as often as I want to, but I I'm starting to get back into it a bit. Yeah, cool, cool. But, I respect rock climbing. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do any of that stuff anymore. I tried running last year and I stress fractured my left foot and it still hurts. So I'm just, it's, it's all weights and walking for me. Maybe the elliptical. That's all I got. No, that's, I mean, more than I, I I'm not supposed to run my uh -huh. doc, my knee surgeon. Like they took everything out of my knee. Like yeah. I have like no meniscus, just uh -huh. cartilage on cartilage. And he's like, don't ever run. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> So yeah, it's I have to start climbing again in order to stay somewhat active. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about what got you started in stand-up comedy. Let's talk about that moment when you decided, hey, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian, or I'm going to try it at least. Yeah. Uh, boy, it was it was a really uh, weird series of events because like I always loved comedy. It was something I always wanted to do. I was always like the funny friend in the group. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I just had like a terrible like month of like just everything seemed to be going downhill. Like I got dumped, got in a car wreck, hurt my back really bad. Like probably injured my knee. Like everything was going bad. My dog had to get put down. Oh. And I was like, I was like, this is like rock bottom. And then there's open mic starting up by me and my friends. 
they knew I like stand-up because they gave me this ultimatum. They're like, either you start doing comedy, you try it, and you put yourself out there, or we are going to slap you across the face until you do. <laughs> and they meant it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, they gave me a deadline, and I did it like a week before the end of the deadline. Oh, wow. So it was, and I was hooked. Like, I was like, I got to keep doing this. Yeah. So what was that first time like? Uh, it was pretty good. I mean, I had a lot of friends in the audience. Like, I definitely padded the room. Mm-hmm. But it was good. I was definitely a little nervous. Uh, way, like, I, I sound like a robot on stage. I, I recently yeah. just watched that set again. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> but, I mean, it was good. It uh, it gave me the drive I needed. Like, it, it made me feel stoked. Mm-hmm. So, so did yeah. you go right back into it the next week then? or did you And look for all the open mics you could find? Yeah. You know, yeah. I started messaging them because I honestly thought it was way harder to get on open mics. I uh-huh. thought you had to be like three, four months in advance just to get a spot. And then it's like, no, it, that's not the case. <laughs> you can usually get on every night if you want. Yeah. Let's talk about that first material. Does it, does anything you do now sound like anything that you did your first year doing uh, comedy? Not really. I have one joke from my first year that I've like, expanded from like a dumb little one-liner to like a five-minute bit Uh like but that's just been a work in progress yeah but like from my first set i don't really have anything from that because it was all just kind of stupid bitter like yeah just got dumped guy (laughs) like you know some of it was fun and but yeah none of it was really very good yeah yeah thinking about the stuff that you keep and you expand on this is this is a common theme with me too because stuff is either dead to me or it's it's not very good as it sits but if i do this and that to it it actually gets better and that's why i never throw anything away i was looking at my first book that i started writing in and i pulled some stuff out of it i'm like yeah i can actually do stuff with this do you find that a lot do you keep all your notes and stuff yeah hundred percent. I mean, I have, yeah, I have like on my phone, I have my whole notes file. That's just like so many pages long and yeah, been going through old notebooks and it has happened where I've like, actually just recently I've re trying to rework a joke from a year and a half ago that I was trying so hard to figure out. And then something clicked and I finally got it this mm-hmm. past month. I'm like, sweet. This like terrible story. I finally have the ending for it. And uh-huh. then, yeah, now it's back in my set. Yeah, that's all. It's always a good feeling to know that you didn't write that for nothing, because you know yeah. some of those some of those that I've looked at, I only said one time. You know, I did it like at one open mic or one showcase or something like that, and then it didn't do well, so it was dead to me, and I just put it away. And now I see that heck, I could make this a two or three minute bit instead of a one liner. Yeah, and that's like I also look back at my old jokes where I would try to have a longer joke. And I'm like, I was trying to stretch this way too far. That's a one-liner. Mm-hmm. And then you take that, you take that large scale thing, you dial it back to a one-liner, and now you have a whole new tags. You can go off of that, and then you can maybe punch it back up to be something completely different. Mm-hmm. Like it's fun. <laughs> so let's talk about the Grand Rapids scene because it's one of those scenes that uh, you know it's considered a small scene, but it's one of those scenes that just ha- seems to have a shitload of comics you guys seem to have a a lot of comics per capita how does that come about i i don't know how that happened we just all have stuck with it 
it's a very supportive community. So I think that's a huge deal. Like, you know, everybody's trying to help each other out, put them on shows and like no one's really dogging each other's material, Mm -hmm. punching each other's jokes up and I mean, good camaraderie. So it's, I don't know, it just seems to click. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Everyone, like the whole pandemic, we all just hung out and got shit done. Yeah, that's great. And talking about getting shit done, can you talk about the shows that you were doing in your garage? Yeah, uh, Comedy on Ida. It was, uh, there wasn't much to go around for the city as far as, like, the clubs were closed. Yeah. Most bars weren't doing open mics. Uh, I had one going on at a bar, like, in the patio, mm. and that was, like, the only open mic we had. Uh, and I got really bored, and I just started building a stage in my garage out of an old climbing wall. I tore apart part of a climbing <laughs> wall and built a stage. Uh and then put a red carpet up, like a red uh, backdrop, uh-huh. graffiti the rest, and threw some chairs in my garage and started having shows. They were all like social distance, like uh-huh. I had to wear a mask and everything. So we did it smart, and we did like one a month for the whole pandemic. Uh, we we stopped like a couple of months in the middle of winter, but yeah, yeah, we kept it going. It was good. We had great comics. Like we had like really great local comics people from lansing came up did Uh it i mean it was a good time and the crowds were into it they loved it they were throwing cash in a tip jar so i was able to actually pay the comics during the pandemic which i mean it wasn't a lot right but it was still i mean you know like 20 30 bucks to come and do 15 minutes in a garage that's great (laughs) and did you find that you got some audience members who you wouldn't normally see in a club yeah i mean more like the local people around my neighborhood Uh and then i had like some people i didn't even know they showed up because i started an instagram account for grand rapids electric scooters Uh we had these electric scooters and they get left everywhere so i started a parody (laughs) account where i Uh made fun of them getting littered and then basically (laughs) the press did an article about me and i was like trying to promote my comedy as much as i could so they did mention comedy on Ida, and then people showed up to my house because of that article. Uh-huh. So I was like, <laughs> it was cool, but also I'm like, ah, I have just people I do not know walking through my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably like a murder weapon hidden somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who didn't like your satire about scooters. Yeah, a lot of scooter haters out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about putting those shows on and making sure you keep the comedy going and the camaraderie you have a a lot of the people in the scene there is there some sort of magic that happens that people stick with it there uh because you know i i see a lot of people come and go in in different scenes and they go pretty quick you know maybe three times an out is it the supportiveness of your group that uh keeps people going for it I think, yeah, I think we have, yeah, a lot of supportiveness. Also, I mean, this is Michigan, and we go through terrible winters where we just have to have life suck. So, I mean, yeah, if you can withstand a winter, you're like, oh, I could do comedy a bit longer. Yeah. I think, I don't know. It's, I think we're just lucky. Yeah. We just have a, a lot of hard-headed people in the city that, you know, they do it and they just don't stop. Yeah. One of and the there's weirdest- plenty of shows. Yeah. One of the weirdest winters was uh, that one where it was like below zero for a month or two months, uh, five or six years ago, I think, maybe six or seven years ago. But all of Lake Michigan froze. We used to hike around 
Lake Michigan and walk the beach and stuff. So I said, let's go take a look at it. It was only like negative two that day. It was warm. And, and we went and it's the weirdest (laughs) experience to go to Lake Michigan and see it completely frozen and silent. You don't hear any water at all. That was in the ice shelves and stuff. It was weird. Yeah, no, I uh, used to snowmobile with my family back uh, when I was really little. And we would go from St. Ignace, which is a city in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, mm-hmm. and there would be an ice bridge uh, across to Mackinac Island. So it's uh-huh. like four miles of just Lake Huron ice, and uh-huh. you're going across that on a snowmobile, just 100 miles an hour, just hauling ass just in case there's a little spot of water. <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh, it was something like yeah, it's crazy when that when it freezes over, and then they have to get the icebreakers out to make way for the ships and everything yeah yeah it's 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 weird wild and wacky i know it was just eerie when we went and uh yeah it, it just looked like a foreign or it looked like a planet a different planet because of the way the ice was and all that yeah michigan gets kind of weird at some spots i mean it, it like i'm so used to grand rapids city area but then like you get up in the up like upper peninsula northern michigan it's like you could have swore you're like just somewhere not michigan somewhere that would be like Pacific oh yeah North are beautiful like yeah a postcard <laughs> yeah yeah well and michigan's just just a beautiful state anyway you when you go over the border to michigan from indiana it's just like you can definitely tell in some states like when i go south you can't even tell that you're in a different state unless the maps tell you but when you go to michigan because you got more trees yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah that too turn into cobble yeah <laughs> you can feel it yeah <laughs> Yeah, I do know the 20 bypass gets a little bit weirder after you get across the line, too. Yeah, that's for sure. This whole Demented Peach Productions thing, I I read your about and your mission statement and stuff like that. This is really one of the things that I always tried to do when I put on a show was make sure that no matter what, the comedians got paid. And, you know, if I had to take it out of my own pocket, then, you know, people... People got paid because you shouldn't work for free when you put so much effort into your act. There, you know, wh- whatever, if you do 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes, that's usually two years worth of work. So y- you should get paid for it. Tell me about how that came about and what you're doing with it. Well, it's ma- mainly my buddy, uh, John Batch. Mm-hmm. His, it's like, this is like his brainchild, him, uh, David Steeves and Demi, like all four of us, like, John brought it to me and he was like, you want to be in this? And once he told me the idea of like actually paying comics and really providing that financial outlet, I was like, I'm a hundred percent in, you know, it just, he gave me the idea, showed me some, like the plans he has. And I was, I was just like, yeah, I'm in hundred percent. And, you know, we're just going to try to keep building it and keep doing more. Yeah. So, so, Let's talk about the business model of it because you know what I'm seeing is it looks like uh, you've got people who want to show and you've got or people who want to show or people who want to put on a show but they don't have the experience or the resources to do that. And mm-hmm. how do you guys step in and help? Well, we basically will come to them or if they want to come to us, then we'll lay out a plan. We'll figure out what works best for them. And then uh, we will come to them with a professional, like we'll just be as professional as humanly possible. You know, we'll, mm. we'll put comics that we know are going to do well for them. 
uh, we're going to make sure everything starts on time, that their the venue itself is, you know, going to make some money off of this. And it's just, you know, we want everybody to win, you know, mm-hmm. if that's not the case and what the hell are we doing? Yeah. And from what I understand, you guys, when you guys do a show, it goes quite well. You've had quite a few sellouts. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we just did one, uh, last month. I was really happy in, uh, Greenville, Michigan. It's like kind of like out in the country, uh-huh. but there's not a lot to do there. So, you know, we'll bring comedy to you. We're yeah. gonna, so we did that. And like, it was a like sold out show, I think 70 something people. And like, they all loved it. All the comics killed. Uh-huh. Our loved it. And we're doing another one, uh, this Saturday there. So it's going to be a blast. Yeah. That's it's it's really neat what you're doing because first of all making sure the comics get paid but also offering a service to people who just don't know how to get entertainment going. Yeah. And it's and I think it's really crucial that like venues do have somebody that knows what they're doing and isn't going to just book like the same like four comics for every single show they're doing. Yeah. You know, like we want to have like we want to bring them the variety to keep the crowd wanting to come back every time mm-hmm. hearing new jokes, seeing something new, right. you know, and right. luckily we have so much talent in this state that it's easy to do. Yeah. 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 You're very, you're very dense. You're dense with comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you have 17 shows a week. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's got to host them. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. <laughs> we have 17 hosts. <laughs> so, Thinking about your the the people that influenced you, because you said you loved comedy. You know what what comics were the ones that just really made you want to get up there and do it? Yeah, uh, well, I remember like Mitch Hedberg was the one for me. Like mm-hmm. he's the first stand up comic I remember seeing on Comedy Central. Like, mm-hmm. my parents would be, like, out in the patio playing cards with their friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the house just watching Mitch Hedberg bunk this myself. <laughs> and then he'd, he'd do a one-liner I could remember. And then I would just run out, tell it to my parents. They'd laugh. And I'd be like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Run back in. <laughs> so, like, Mitch Hedberg, like, that's where I was, like, learned that, you know, stand-up comedy is a thing. And then, like, Robin Williams, I didn't really know him as a stand-up yet. But I, like, all of his movies I grew up uh- just watching hook and you know uh-huh. missed out fire i so like robin williams was like my guy like i just loved how like big of a person he was uh-huh. you know and then when i started learning how he had stand up i listened to his stand up and i was just like i just loved the characters and just how off the wall he would get and then it was just from there listening to eddie murphy like i listened to delirious when i was like 12 uh-huh. i think like I was way too young to be listening to that shit, but my parents were like, nah, you're fine. And, you know, maybe it tweaked me a little bit to be a little, maybe it made me a comic to have that fucked up uh, CD to listen to. Uh (laughs) (laughs) You know, one thing I I wanted, as I watch some of the film that you've got on youtube and stuff one of the things i noticed and i have to notice this because i'm like super hard of hearing i wear hearing aids when i don't have these headphones in is one of the things that frustrates me about going to see comedy shows is i just can't hear people sometimes even with my hearing aids in your voice and your diction it's it's funny because you're kind of understated when you 
during your act. It's it, you're. I don't want to say you're low energy, but you're not. You're just no, not definitely low energy. Yeah, you're not zany. Um, and yeah, and but you're the way you talk and your diction. I hear every single word, and I, I have to say, as an old man, uh, I appreciate that. Oh well, thank you. So when you started, did you did you have did you develop the way your you um you talk up there the way you deliver your uh, your delivery and stuff like that? Did that did that change as you got a little bit more experience? Uh, yeah, and I don't think it was anything I consciously did. I think it just kind of happened. I started to get more comfortable with myself to where I was able to, you know, I stopped trying to just say the lines and actually just tried to portray the lines. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. I would know where my, I would know where like the ending is and I would just go for it. So that made it more natural. I could use my speaking voice and just be a regular guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did, you know, one thing that I think helped, I did take a acting class, like a comedy acting class. Okay. Uh, so it was just like comedy sketches and then I had to memorize the script and then I had to learn how to act on stage. And when you're doing comedy acting, you kind of learn a lot of like, you know, how to, you want to project to the back of the room and you want to, that was one thing where I learned how to like let a laugh breathe. Mm -hmm. It was something I never like dawned on me. Like, yeah. Hey, if you're getting a laugh, even if it still chuckles, keep your fucking mouth shut. Yeah. You might get more. Yeah. And like, that was one thing I learned from that class is like, if the crowd's laughing, be quiet. And even when they stop laughing, give it a minute. Cause it might start again. Like yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was funny. Cause when I learned that lesson, I went and did an open mic and I like intentionally, like, I was like, all right, quiet. <laughs> and I yeah. stayed quiet and I had like this really long laugh break and I was like, fuck it worked. <laughs> yeah. Damn, <laughs> these theater nerds know what they're doing. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's very evident in in your in your um, act because you do let people laugh, and I. It's funny. One of your tapes is from the uh, the comedy competition for at Doctor Grin's, and yeah. I did it the same year, and. Um, I look back at mine and mine went really well. I mean, I didn't, I didn't go, I didn't go anywhere, but the set went really well. But when I watch it, I didn't allow the laughter to keep going. It, it was like, oh, okay, I'll pause for a couple seconds while I'm laugh, but I need to get into the next joke because I've got exactly seven minutes here. And, yeah. and if I would have uh, let them laugh, I could have probably, gotten rid of uh, a joke or a tag or something and actually probably had a better set. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I'm very keen. Like I, I want, I try to be more fluid on stage and have more like loose style with mm -hmm. my material. So like, I'll go up with like, probably like, like for instance, that set, I had like eight or nine jokes I wanted to get to, mm -hmm. but like, if I don't get to them, Oh, well, like not a big deal. Yeah. You know? So like, I just, like if it's the video I'm thinking, like I was just having a lot of fun. And then like some of that stuff I just wrote that night, like on stage, like I was doing it for the first time there. Uh -huh. It just popped in my head and I was like, Oh, we're going for it. Yeah. And it just like <laughs> I was in the pocket and it kept going. And then I still lost to a girl named Kate Carmody because she stacked the crowd and <laughs> I hate her so much. <laughs> oh. 
I, I had no illusions of going anywhere because it was just me and my wife and and um, nobody knew me. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, it was it was fun. It was uh, the one thing about Dr. Grins is it really exposes you to the lights. I mean, those yeah. those lights are there. You you can see maybe one person if if you're lucky in the front row and uh that that was the first time i had experienced lights like that okay so that was that was weird yeah and i should clarify i don't hate kate carmody (laughs) she's a great friend of mine she lives in chicago now she's fucking hilarious Uh Uh, if i had to lose to somebody i'm so glad it was her uh i still hope that uh she uh has the shoe untied today and you know <laughs> trips yeah <laughs> so let's her talk actually, yeah her and I actually started a podcast we record like 20 episodes and i just never put it out because it was just her and i just bickering oh yeah with our friendship <laughs> i love podcasts where people bicker you should put that out yeah, yeah. They're only 10 minute episodes. Yeah. <laughs> we're lazy. We're like, I always do 10 minute episodes. Talk good. <laughs> so let's talk about goals and aspirations. You've been, you've been leaning pretty heavy into this. Do you have, do you have something that you want to achieve? Like say in the next three years? Uh, yeah, I'd love to just keep getting better. Uh, I want to, I mean, I think that's every comic wants to just keep getting better. I'd like to do more shows uh, like paid shows where I'm not the host is mm-hmm. right now. I currently, like I, anytime I perform lately, it's just to host uh-huh. like, and it's, you know, I like hosting, but it really is detrimental to your well being, like mental health. <laughs> it's literally, I just go up and bomb every time. Yeah. And it's, and like, <laughs> Cause I host the open mic and I go to the open mic and it's just like, all right, I got to tell all of these people to be quiet. They're going to hate me. Yeah. And uh, hopefully the show goes good. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I'd love to start doing more shows where it's like like, you know, performing where I'm not the host and getting paid for it, yeah. you know, outside of open mics, because that'd be amazing. Yeah. And you know, work my way up to hopefully featuring someday. And you know, if it goes well and I keep writing and getting better at writing, mm-hmm. I mind someday. But you know, I'm just gonna try to take this like one step at a time. I don't wanna if I have goals, then uh, you know, once I reach them I'll have nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about writing. You're some people like do the Jerry Seinfeld thing where they force themselves to write a certain amount of hours every day. And some people write as they live stuff. And some people write on stage. What, what ways do you write? Uh, I kind of just write as I live stuff. Like if mm. something weird happens, I'll jot it down and then I'll go on stage and I'll tell it and it won't be funny at all, but then I'll figure out what could have been funny and mm. I'll tell it the next time on stage and, try to go from there but writing on stage and writing like as something happens is typically mm. how it works for me because i mean i try to sit down and write and like sit down like in a chair and write. it just doesn't work mm. uh one of the most embarrassing writing techniques i found lately that works for me it's super embarrassing i can't believe i'm saying this but i uh in my i go in my garage on my stage just in a dark garage with the stage lights on and I just talk into the microphone like there's a crowd there and I'm just like mumbling like I'll do the same joke four or five times uh-huh. and I'll be recording it because like 
I'm in that headspace of like, all right, I'm performing and I'll, I'll throw a tag in that like I never would have done. And then yeah. it's like, all right, that's a tag that works. So it's just like, basically I'm, it's like a scene from the Joker. It's very like, <laughs> if my neighbors walked over and they were like, Oh my God, <laughs> call the cops. <laughs> like, no, it's, no more comedy on either. <laughs> Yeah, like if you had seen me doing that, you'd be like, I'm not going to have him on my show. You know, that's actually, you know, I think that's, I wouldn't be embarrassed by it. I think that's actually a really genius way I'm to work stuff out. It. I'm sorry? <laughs> I'm naked when I do it. Oh, so. well, yeah. The, I, I guess, <laughs> hmm, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, we, we should all love our bodies. So that's yeah, okay. No, I'm kidding. I, I have a scarf on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I, I, I actually admire that because I, it, it's funny because when I was up in South Bend, I felt like I had to have everything laid out perfect. I had to know every word. And when I did the comedy thing at Dr. Grin's, same thing. And the funny thing is, is coming down here and I haven't done all that much just because I'm working a new job and all kinds of stuff. But, um, I, I went on stage with just premises instead of having stuff written out and it felt so free. And, and, and the funny thing is you gotta, you gotta know that it's not all going to be funny and most of it's not going to be funny, but at least when you say it out loud, like what you said, you understand what could be funny about it. Yeah. That's actually one of my fun, like I like to do that exercise sometimes when I'm just at an open mic or like, uh, I'll go up and I'll just have like a random, like I went to the bartender one show and I was like, Hey, can you just write me a list of things? Uh-huh. So like he went around the bar to like all the guys at the bar, like they wrote down a list of shit. Uh-huh. And then I went up on stage and that was my set list. Yeah. And it, I, it was actually my birthday. It was like the, my birthday week. So I was hammered already. Uh-huh. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm drunk on stage. I started the show off by saying, Hey, if anyone Venmo's me $10, I'll take my shirt off. Uh-huh. And then my phone just blew up. So I'm like, take my shirt off. <laughs> and I just did this list of like, just off the cuff, like just jokes about it. And like, some of them were funny. They were extremely raunchy, which is not really my style, uh-huh. but you know, they, uh, they worked that night. And then, you know, I've been trying to do more shows like that where it's like, you know, you, you get prompts from the audience and you just go off of that. Cause it's like, that's fucking scary. Uh-huh. It's really old and, but it can work and it can fail horribly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like still on the fence about it, but I'm doing a Sunday night funnies. It's a competition. Uh-huh. In Grand Rapids. I made it to next round and my next round is actually this upcoming Sunday. And like, I have like material that I I've been working on that I think will work. But like, part of me is like, I kind of want to just do that. Like uh-huh. have topics and hopefully not crush, like hopefully not like just bomb completely. But uh-huh. I think it'd be, you know, bold yeah <laughs> bold or stupid yeah well it, it, and that's kind of what comedians do bold and stupid so yeah that, that's uh um i i did one of one of his open mics one of brian's open mics uh mm-hmm. when i was getting ready for the grand rapids show and he's a cool guy and it's a neat show yeah and he actually gets real people to come so that's yeah <laughs> that's, nice. that's impressive yeah <laughs> i was like <laughs> my wife came with me and i was like Oh wow! There's actually real people here coming to watch, not just other comedians. Yeah, 
that's one thing I'm happy with because I have an open mic that I run every Wednesday in Grand Rapids, mm. and like I actually have like some regulars, so it's it's nice, but yeah. it also makes me feel like way more pressure because they're really cool people, but like I want to bring them new material every week, but trying to write like a new five six minutes every week is just hard. Yeah. Yeah, and as a host, you don't want to do a lot of new stuff. Yeah, it's like almost impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I do it, because I nail it every time. Yeah. <laughs> every time they always come up to me, I was like, how'd you do so well every time? <laughs> I'm just great. <laughs> so it got... It gets so bad sometimes. Be, like it'll just be only the regulars and the comics. So like I'll just buy shots for them. Like, yeah. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> my mom's in the corner just buying more shots for everybody. It's a whole family affair. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny? I when I did shows, I always started a tab and I told the comics they could get whatever they wanted, and nobody ever took advantage of me. Huh? Yeah, uh, I, and I know if I was given the same rope i would probably uh use all of it so <laughs> yeah yeah i don't maybe it's because you don't like i know some bars they'll give like a token like a poker chip yeah like, here your drink but maybe if it's you have to actually say something it gets a little uh embarrassing or i don't know yeah yeah well, uh, yeah the, the, this place that i did it was a rock bar and they didn't have anything in place for tokens or anything like that so i okay uh, so I just uh, I just said let's open it up and I never yeah. I I never had a three hundred dollar bill or anything like that so uh, yeah. yeah let me know when you start doing a mic again I'll come down okay yeah <laughs> come come yeah come down to Huntsville maybe I'll start one here Huntsville are you still in Huntsville where uh, Alabama oh wow that's way far yeah <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's mountains over there I'll go climb too. Actually, there is, and uh, I uh, I got a really nice hematoma on uh, on uh, climbing Rainbow Mountain down here last weekend, and I, I bruised I, I know I bruised my uh, bone and my shin pretty good, but uh, oh, yeah, it was, it was it was a lot of fun. That's what That's happens good. when you're 57. You think you're 20, and you run up these rocks. Yeah, well, I mean, hell, I'm. I'm 32, which I know is still young, uh -huh. but I have so much arthritis in my knees, uh -huh. and I I can't be young anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. Play, but I've had to use a cane already. Uh huh. I'm good. <laughs> my my son has had two surgeries on each knee, and he's his meniscus is like yours. It's okay. gone, and uh, he's not supposed to run, and he's still runs and all that kind of stuff but yeah he's 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 had so many things go wrong and he's um he's actually from what i understand not in that much pain right now so yeah it's, okay it's weird yeah yeah i mean i'm like for me it's like it's i'm gonna sound so old now but like because it's michigan like we're starting to get colder weather and like yeah. the winter coming so like my knee is just like i can tell when it's about to rain yeah like, yeah not fun but you know <laughs> it is what it is yeah. I love whiskey <laughs> whiskey's good Whis whiskey's always yeah. good for you yeah i um i remember you were on the btb internet talk show with uh 
our buddies Volk. Yeah. And did did they play Grand Rapids already or are they coming? They did, but I was uh I had something else that night. Like I had tickets to another show that night. Uh-huh. I couldn't go. And they're actually in town uh next week on the twenty seventh, but it's a Wednesday night, and that's when I host my open mic. Oh so you- I'm trying to figure it out. I think I might try to uh, just pay somebody else to host it and then go see Volk because I heard, I talked to the bar that they performed at and they're like, oh, they were fucking amazing. Like yeah. they blew the roof off and I believe it. I mean, yeah. their music is amazing. And I think they're, are they still with um, Delta Bombers and Hillbilly Casino? I think they are with this one. Okay. I would recommend it because we just saw them in Nashville this weekend okay. and it was, it was absolutely bonkers. I, I didn't know that much about the Delta bombers or Hillbilly casino and they just, it, it, it was, it was nuts. Very, okay. it was, it was fantastic. And, and I, it's been a while since I've been to a, a live show like that, but if, if you can go, I highly recommend it. I'm going to have to. I think I have to. Yeah. And tell, yeah. tell Chris and Elliot that I sent you. Cause I, I talked to them for quite a while Saturday okay. night. And, uh, I said, I know you got one fan in grand rapids. So, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I heard after their last show, they probably have a lot more. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing, they're, they're, um, doing fantastic. And we have the, a huge rockabilly scene here. Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, I know they're cow punk, but I mean, I feel like rockabilly, the same vein. The funny thing is, and I was talking to Chris about this, is they can morph into whatever you want. You know, they can right. be they can be white stripes, they can be um, they can be Johnny Cash. You know, it, it, they they can do anything. They, they've and they've got all the songs to do it with. They can yeah. they can change a song up into just uh, straight up rockabilly from straight up rock. So yeah, they're okay. they're really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, one of the things I like to ask everybody is um first off what is the best and worst advice you got coming up as a comedian and you don't have to say who gave it to you just yeah i think the best advice i got was like just embrace bombing Uh uh-huh they just embrace that uh the worst advice was probably just from my friend saying hey that was really funny like (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I haven't really gotten much like bad advice. I feel like all the advice I've gotten from people has been really good. You uh-huh. know? Uh, I think, yeah, the embrace the bomb was one. Uh, the one note of advice I got was to just your, remember your job is to make the crowd laugh. Mm-hmm. Your your job is to make them happier than when they sat down. And I feel like that's lost a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's it's comedy. So it's subjective, but I feel like a lot of times it's like, remember you're supposed to be eating laughs. Yeah. You know? But well, and there's was- another way to think about that because I've experienced this myself is when you go on stage, you are so broken down by the, um, don't suck, uh, mentality. You're, you're trying so hard not to suck that you, um, that you don't think about being funny. Yeah. Uh, you, and it's kind of like, you know, when a sports analogy, even though I don't like sports is uh, um, playing, playing when you're winning, 
playing to uh, uh, not lose or playing to win. And that's that's oh, how yeah. teams lose. I mean, that's actually something I have for rock climbing because like rock climbing has done wonders for me as far as like uh, I have no I, I don't get embarrassed at all from mm. rock climbing. Cause like at the gym, you're constantly failing in front of other people. Yeah. So like, I have no shame. Like I'm not a, a bombing's fine. Mm. And like with rock climbing, it was always said, if you're thinking about falling, you're not going to climb. Yeah. So like, mm. it's like, say if you're thinking about bombing, you're not going to crush. So it's like, just think about getting to the top of the wall and like, or think about your punchline or like uh -huh. just ignore the bad thoughts. Right. Right. That's great. That, Way easier said than done. That's like a yeah. sound clip. I might use that as a sound bite. I like that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now let's talk about what you know now as a comedian, um, and uh, what do you wish you would have known when you first started? Oh, what I know now. Uh, trust my gut. I would say, yeah, I'd really trust my gut because that's one thing I've really embraced. I mean, over the last year or so, it was just if something seems funny to me on stage, I'm just going to go with it. Mm. You know? uh, and if I could, most of the other part, if I could talk to myself when I was starting, mm. yeah, I would just say, you know, uh, I would just say, keep going. <laughs> uh -huh. Don't worry about bombing, kid. I mean, it's only four years ago, but still, yeah. I call myself kid. I would be a real <laughs> douchebag. I'd be like, hey, you wanna? You should come to my show on Wednesday. <laughs> we need more audience members. <laughs> Don't invite your friends to all your shows when you're starting out, because when you're actually good, they're not gonna want to come. Yeah, yeah. That's another one I would say. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. If the joke seems too good to be true, it's because somebody already did it. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I feel like I don't have that much advice because you know I'm still trying to figure this shit out. Uh huh. I'm still fairly new to it. I'm yeah. just faking it. So, well, you know, and what I like about you is you've got enough self confidence to just do what you got to do, and yet you you don't come off as an asshole. Um, and <laughs> and I like that because it's it's a it's a really fine line. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I I'm well aware. Uh, yeah, I try not to be an asshole best i can but uh -huh. it is fun to kind of let that kind of skirt that line here and there on stage at least but yeah. no i i don't want to be an asshole in person yeah. like a real asshole that just sucks yeah yeah well, life's too good. short <laughs> so um where uh, let's talk about um where people can find you and uh talk about how they can get to demented peach if they want to put a show on or if they want to do your open mic yeah, uh, so with Demented Peach, uh, if you just want to find out about us, we have a, a website, DementedPeach.com, and then we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Just look up Demented Peach, mm -hmm. and you'll find us there. We have just showcases throughout Michigan we're working on, or we got more in the works, so always something new. And if you have a venue that you want to do comedy and, you know, for a good fit, we'll see if we can make it happen, mm -hmm. you know? Then the open mic I run is separate from Demented Peach because it's just kind of my own thing I was doing before I joined the company. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's every Wednesday in Grand Rapids at River City Saloon. It's this uh, kind of a more music bar venue, but you know we put on a killer comedy show every Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got really good burgers, good bar burgers, and uh -huh. some 
PR, so you can't <laughs> complain there. That's really good. And then, uh, yeah, if you want to find me on uh, social media, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Carl underscore Sobel. It's pretty uh, straightforward. All right. I don't have any silly names for myself. Unfortunately. <laughs> I, I'm, unfortunately, I didn't think of a good name that's hard to remember. So Yeah. <laughs> hey, your name is just fine. So that's, yeah. you know it. So if, if people call you by it, then you'll answer to it. So that's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for doing the show. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like what you're doing. And you Michigan people are just uh, a great bunch. I haven't met anybody there I don't like yet. I can introduce you to some. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Kate Carmody. Well, she actually lives in Illinois now. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. This is a blast. Yeah.